Well, it's another Monday night and another week of baseball that we are going to be missing here in the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along on this Monday evening, May 18th, where we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And to join us here this evening is our resident Reds expert and co-host, Blake Watson. Blake, good evening. How was your weekend? Great, Dave. Uh, enjoyed some time out in the, out in the hills in Hillsboro, Ohio, where we own a little property. Got away for a little bit and spent most of the day up there Sunday preparing for some cabins to be delivered to our property. It's going to be really nice. 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 Do you guys get to go out there and drink a few of the, uh, adult beverages and have a campfire and everything? Yeah, we, uh, we got about an acre and a half. It's about a tenth of a mile as the crow flies away from Rocky Fork Lake just outside of Hillsboro. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have a good time. We were getting it ready. We have a big family camp out this weekend, Ooh. um, for Memorial Day. There's about nine or 10 of us going up. Couple cousins, couple four wheelers, <laughs> a lot of beer, a lot of campfires. Of course, you, you advocate doing the four wheelers with helmets, correct? Of course I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I would, but, you know, as you know, and anybody know. else who knows me, I have a really big head. Um, so I have to, I have to special order a four, uh, helmet. Um, so we, we typically go places that I don't have to wear a helmet because it's really hard to find one for me. But my son always wears a helmet when he's on the floor. Absolutely. You don't, you know, uh, it, it's kind of the difference in our ages though, Blake. When I was growing up, we had mini bikes. Now you have four wheelers. Yeah. yeah. And I've actually, we've been looking into dirt bikes too. And, um, I had a mini bike when I was a kid and four wheelers. You know, my son and his cousins have a little like mini side by side Polaris four wheeler. Yeah. Um, it's 110 cc's. It's a fun little thing, but it's, it's a lot safer than a mini bike or a regular four wheeler. Someday I'll have to tell you some stories about our mini bike adventures. Those you'll be interested. <laughs> hey, uh, today is May 18th and both the Reds and the Indians would have had today off if the 2020 season was underway. And they would be getting ready to play each other tomorrow night up at Progressive Field in a two-game series as interleague baseball was going to be getting underway. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, Blake. And right now, as our top story is this week, it's almost hard to believe, but we may not have baseball for the 2020 season at all because, as usual, the owners for the Major League Baseball teams and the players are at loggerheads at how to split the profits for this season. Well, yeah, I listened to a lot of stuff on this actually on the on the car ride up and back to Hillsborough over the weekend, and I don't. I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think it's probably not going to happen. Um, it's kind of crazy, and you know, you got guys like Mark Teixeira coming out and saying the players should pay for peanut play for peanuts, and it's like. I mean, that's not realistic at all, but, you know, I'm one of those guys that you don't blame. Uh, it's hard to blame the owners. They're going to lose more money than the players when this is all said and done. Um, obviously, they make more, too, but, you know, I, I'm a big believer in a capitalist society, which, you know, you take you take the risk, then you deserve the, the fruit of most of the labor. And obviously, you know, nobody's going to argue that baseball players are underpaid. 
Yeah. Um, if you, if you do, you're nuts. Um, and you know, I think there's gotta be some, some way this works out. I don't, the prorated thing is fine. Um, I like that idea originally, the prorated pay. I'm not sure how I feel about this 50-50 split. But I also, from the ownership standpoint, I kind of understand the 50-50 split. So it's it's really difficult to see how it's going to work out. And, and this, just the whole 67-page document that the MLB put together for the way to play is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I well, I'm going to get into that here in just a few minutes as far as what Ohio has put together to let uh, the little kids play, but we'll wait on that just a few minutes. But, you know, as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, Blake, I'm looking at this and saying I don't see anything wrong with the 50-50 split. Now, I know Tony Clark, the Major League Baseball Players Association president, their chief negotiator, is coming out saying that the agreement that they had in March said absolutely nothing about further salary negotiations. Well, nobody knew what was going to happen in March. Everybody thought it might be a 30-day thing or maybe even a 60-day thing. It's turned into almost a 90-day thing and maybe a 120-day thing, and there's got to be some give and take on both sides. I think the players are willing to give a little bit, but I think the owners have gone ahead and given a lot. And as you said, they are in the middle of something that they're going to lose a lot of money if they're not going to allow, at least for the first 30, maybe 60 days, and maybe as far into... September, as what a lot of people are saying, of not having any crowds at the ballpark. And they're going to lose out on concessions. They're going to lose out on parking. Of course, the, the beers and everything else that they're going to lose out on. I'm not. Yeah, the only thing the owners are going to make money on is TV. That's it. Yeah. And I'm not crying for the owners. I'm not, definitely not crying for the players either. But this, this constant argument that Tony Clark is putting out that the players don't have to give up anything because they're the ones that are going out and playing in in non-safety-like conditions. Okay, that's fine. But you've got guaranteed contracts in baseball. I get that. And now they're saying that this is sounding a lot like a salary cap. Okay, I get that too. But a handshake... And I know you don't get to the top of the top of the mountain in business without screwing some people over. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. But the owners and the players could gently come together and say, "Look, we're not going to bring up a salary cap next year at at the negotiating table, but we'll remember what you're doing this year next year. Just keep that yeah, in mind." That's that's the part that bothers me the most is the, the Tony Clark calling it a salary cap because it's not. It's just not, and it's it's a one year one time craziest scenario anybody's ever seen in the world thing. Yeah, it's not it's not something that the owners are trying to get past just because they want a salary cap. Which in reality, I think there should be some semblance of a salary cap in baseball, but that's neither here nor there. That would you know alleviate a whole lot of the big market versus small market stuff. But um, that that bothers me a lot. The other comment that came out that really bothers me is Blake Snell's. Um, oh. Blake Snell saying that you know it's not worth him risking his life for uh for you know not making his full salary. And I'm like, man, yeah. all right, you're not risking your life. Like you are at the peak of physical condition. 
You are going to be put in a, and it's not perfectly safe. Nothing is right now, but nothing's ever been perfectly safe. Well, what we act like we act like pre-COVID world. We were living with no risk in the world at all. And this is the only risk there is. And yeah. it's driving me nuts. Well, and You're Blake, not a nurse fighting on the front line. And Blake Snell, obviously, is being a little idiotic with that because of anybody on the baseball field other than the batter, the pitcher is the most vulnerable out there as as far as losing their life. Just ask Ray right. Wambagas. Just ask Herb Score, who didn't die, but his career was in to- was was totally – uh, just, just totally thrown out the window when he was hit in the cheek with a line drive off the bat uh, of one of the players for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, it, it, it's it happened to a Rollis Chapman. A Chapman, yeah, it's happened to a lot of pitchers out there. So, so Blake and I know this isn't apples to apples, but personally, I have uh, I was playing slow pitch softball pitching, floated a knuckleball outside, and woke up 13 minutes in the back of an ambulance. 13 minutes later, in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, with 60 stitches in my chin. So I, I know, you know, it is a da- that is a dangerous place to be. Yeah, it, and it is. And but but for him to say that he's putting his life on the line playing baseball because of COVID is absolutely an asinine statement. Absolutely agree, one hundred percent, completely baseless. Just uh, with all the people that out are risking their lives, doctors and nurses and truck drivers and people working in grocery stores around hundreds of people a day. This guy who throws a baseball for $7 million a year is, is just, he's just out of base with reality, out of yeah. touch. And that drives me nuts. And, and, and the problem, the biggest problem is no matter what happens, the players are the ones that are going to lose because we can't put a number with what an owner makes. We know that Blake Snell makes $7.5 million to be the ace of the Tampa Bay Rays. He makes $7.5 million a year. And anybody in the world would trade places with him and play for pennies on the dollar. Right Absolutely. Now. Absolutely. So regardless of whether or not the players are right, they're not going to win in the court of public opinion. Especially when, and I'm going to use sports reporters as an argument for this. You look at the sports reporters at ESPN and Fox. They've been cutting them left and right. They've been depleting their salaries. They've been doing that. It just came out today that NBC has cut all of their sports reporters and sports announcers, including Collinsworth and Al Michaels, 10% this year because they're not sure what's going to happen. They've done it all over the place, Blake. And every yeah, everybody in America is making concessions right now yes. to try to get through this. People working jobs understaffed. People are, you know, doing the right thing. I mean, I haven't been to the office in seven weeks almost, and I haven't stopped working. Like, that makes my life harder, too, and I'm working with less resources than we had before. Everybody everywhere is making concessions, and the players are going to have to do the same. Because here's the thing. The guys like Blake Snell and the other Bryce Harper has been really uh, adamant, yeah, out front of this. Yep. So is uh, uh, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. I don't know. I'm blanking on his name, but Trevor Bauer. And these are, you know, they're not the elite elite, but they make tens of millions of dollars a year. What about the guy that's on, you know, a minor league contract that that's the only way he's going to feed his family this year? Absolutely. What about the guys that, you know, are on major league minimums that, you know, 60 for 50% of, you know, that is still a lot of money when the other option is nothing. Exactly. 
and, 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 you know, I bring that up because Tony Clark's talking about how this resembles a salary cap, and they'll bring that up next year. Well, you know what? I tend to agree with a salary cap, but here's the other part about it. I also agree with a salary basement. Teams like Absolutely. the Pittsburgh Pirates that are getting away with next to nothing on their payroll should be outlawed. And imagine being a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates right now, and you brought it up just a little bit earlier, that, yeah, they're still making more than the average person. They're making more than you. They're making more than me. They're making more than a ton of people in the city of Cincinnati and in Pittsburgh. And for them to look at this, Blake, and say that this is a situation that they cannot work under is really a slap in the face to the average baseball fan. Yeah, absolutely. To the average person walking around the world, it is a complete slap in the face. And, and you know, billionaires are going to be billionaires, and most owners in baseball are billionaires because their franchises are worth over a billion dollars. But it's it's just, it's just they're all out of touch with the real world, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. When, when Marvin Miller, and I know you don't remember this, but I remember this. When Marvin Miller first instituted the union, the whole union idea was formed around Kurt Flood just basically wanting to take his talents somewhere other than St. Louis. What are you doing? Washing the car? No, sir. <laughs> he, Flood wanted to take his talents elsewhere than St. Louis. That's what the whole union was devised over was to give these players the opportunity to play out their contract and sign with another team. It had nothing to do with money. It was the fact that they didn't want to be under indentured servitude for their entire career. And the Pete Roses, the Johnny Benches here in Cincinnati, the Gaylord Perrys, the John Ellis's up in Cleveland, they all abided by this. Wayne Garland, the same way when he signed the lucrative contract with the Cleveland Indians, which was one of the big contracts when he became a free agent. I mean, when you look at all of this and tend to find out what's going on with it, then years later, the contracts just exploded. And it, but when the union was first founded, Blake, it had nothing to do with money. It was all over. We just want to play out our, our contracts and go sign where we want to go play. Yeah, they wanted the ability to become free agents. Yes. Right? That, that was the big, it was all about Kurt Flood and the fight for free agency. And they won. And they continue to win every single day. They, you can't, no one can convince me anywhere that any professional athlete is underpaid. It's just not the case. They, Play a game for a living. You, I mean, you know, lots and lots of people get excited about it and your fans and all that stuff, but it's, you know, it's just not, you're, you're getting paid millions of dollars a year, getting to stay in first class, first class hotels, getting to travel the world and, and you're playing a friggin' game. Yeah. Like, you know how many people would trade places with you right now? Trevor Bauer, Bryce Harper. Blake Snell, every single person alive. <laughs> it's just, I keep going back to their out of, out of touch with reality. And to me, that's just a fact. That's just the way it is. They don't understand the, the real life of a, of a person in America right now. They just don't. They don't live it. Now, yeah. a lot of those bottom of the, bottom of the roster guys do because I mean, I know, you know, $500,000 a year is a lot of money, but it's not, you're not super rich. No. No, no, no. They don't live, you know, super high on the hog. But nowadays, there ain't too many people in baseball making that 
that league minimum. Well, and, and here's another proposal that the owners have thrown the the way of the players, and I doubt if this even goes any further than than what they're talking about. Instead of the 81 to 82 game season that they proposed last week with 14 teams in the playoffs, well, now they're going to cut it. They're talking about to just 44 games with a 20 team playoff format. Blake, if they're going to do that, just can the season. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Um, that's that's ridiculous. I hadn't seen that one, but that is absolutely ridiculous. There's no point in doing that. Yeah. Um, it's laughable. You, yeah, you have one cold streak and you're out, and you have one hot streak and you can be the worst team in baseball and make it. It's just that's that's not baseball. That's not baseball. The reason baseball is so special is because it takes 162 games to decide who are the best teams. Obviously, we're not going to get 162. That's not going to happen. But you know, you, you gotta you gotta have a you know proven history to figure out what someone's going to do it's like the old bit dusty baker saying you are who your baseball card says you are that's because of the the amount of games and amount of time you have to do what perform it's not you know anybody can go for it for four once yeah it's it's just i don't i i don't agree with that at all well, so your gut feeling. I ended up last week's show by asking you this question. I'm going to end, end up this subject where this segment of our show with the same question. Your gut feeling. Yes or no? Do we play uh, baseball? Uh, a week ago, I was 100%. Yeah, we will. And the more and more I have time to stew on it, I don't know as I'm, I'm not as strong in that a belief, but I believe there are too many guys. That are making like the 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 amount of guys making a little bit of money or vastly outweigh the amount of guys making big money, and I think you're going to see the guys that don't make as much money vote to come back and play. Um, I think they're going to figure out a way to get it done. I think you might have some stars decide not to play, um, but I think you're going to get. I think we'll get something. I really do. I think that there's just too much money out there for these guys that, that are probably struggling to feed their families right now, as everybody is, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think they're going to find a way to get on a baseball field and make it happen. I think they have to. Well, all right, let's move on to our next subject, one that I wrote an article on last week about how Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, has decided that as of May 26th, both youth and adult baseball and softball leagues can get underway. Now, that does not mean, folks, that I've seen on Twitter and Facebook all week, and Blake, I'm sure you've seen this too, that high schools are going to come back and play a baseball and softball league season. Those are done. The OHSAA has deemed them over. It's done. It's seriously done. Don't even ask about that. These are anywhere from traveling teams to Pony League teams, to Acme League teams, to American Legion teams, to Little League teams, to Pee Wee teams. All of those teams are eligible to play. Now, the rules that are instituted, and these are just some of the highlights, no high fives, no spitting or sunflower seeds allowed on the field. Uh, cr- uh, the coronavirus uh, uh, cr- uh, is changing the way that we play the game you know, Blake, that I've always been about the integrity of the game. A lot of people know where I stand on this. I'm going to go to you and give you the first up on the debate stage. Your stand on this. Uh, I mean, 
it is what it is to me. You know, this is just the new, the new normal as everybody keeps calling it, which I hate that, that phrasing, but, um, I think for one, I'm happy that they can play. Um, I coach a 17 and under summer baseball team with my brother and a couple other guys. We're actually, we scheduled a Zoom meeting tonight to talk to the guys about all the different things. And we're, I think that our idea is to kind of let them decide what we do as far as playing. Um, if they're okay with the, the stipulations that we have to have in place, then we'll play. If they're not, then we won't. Um, that's to me, that's the biggest thing with all of this. And it's just like reopening the, the, um, the economy and restaurants and all that stuff. All I've wanted this entire time is the freedom to make the choice for myself. And now with Little League Sports, we have that. You don't want your kid to play. You don't feel safe. They don't have to play. It's not mandatory. No one's making them play. But if you want to play, there's rules you have to abide by. And while I might not agree necessarily with all of the rules, the rules are the rules. And if you're going to play, you got you got you got to abide by them. I'm okay with them. I think they're a little bit ridiculous. Um, a little bit over the top, but you know, I don't, I'm, I'm just a sports information director. I don't get to make those decisions. No, but you're, you're a coach and I've coached too. And at that level, um, I've coached at every level that is possible to coach at in baseball. And it sounds like you've done the same thing. Now, of all the rules that are out there, and I'm sure you've seen them before you go into your meeting tonight. I mean, let Talk to me. What What's the strangest rule that you've seen so far? I I really don't know. Um, I haven't I've got read a handful it that closely. Yeah, go through yours and I'll comment on yours. I haven't okay, read first, it as closely. First of all, this has always have. been a bugaboo of mine from 30 years ago. You cannot call balls and strikes as a home plate umpire standing out near second base. You can't do it. All right? Secondly, as a catcher, especially in Little League Baseball, Let's let's take high school baseball, even though they're not allowed, but Acme League Baseball, American Legion Baseball, Pony League, they're all the same. The pitcher's mound is 60 feet, 6 inches away, okay? The catcher's got to be 6 feet behind the batter. That extends the pitcher to throw the ball 66, 67 feet. That's not the way he has been trained, and it's going to lead to some arm injuries. That's the first, Those are the first two things. The second thing. You're supposed to stay away six feet away from every player. What about the throw down to second base to catch somebody bat stealing? How in the world are you going to tag somebody out standing six feet away? More importantly than that, the play at first base when you're throwing out just on a routine infield. You've got the first baseman over there. Obviously, you're going to be closer to the first baseman than you are running out of, running into the outfield or running down to the first baseline. How about a bloop, a bloop, uh, a hit? out into right center or left center field where you've got the center fielder, the right fielder, or the left fielder, and the shortstop and the second baseman all converging on it. What in the world do you do then? And if they if they hit each other, which there's been known to do throughout the years, what do you do about that? There, are, I'm not even worried about the spitting and the high fives and stuff like that. I'm hearing now that they're even talking about no lineup exchanges before the ball game because they're afraid somebody might be carrying it. But the biggest thing that I've got a problem with Blake and I and I'm this is a personal problem with me. When my father was in hospice and I went to visit him. My my older son and I went to visit him and we put on the we put on the mask. I wear glasses. Anybody that's seen me knows I wear glasses. The first thing I said to my son when I put this mask on, first time I'd ever had it on. 
was my glasses started fogging up, and I said, I can't see where I'm going. I'm fo- my glasses are fogging up because of this mask. Now, a kid that's standing in the batter's box with a mask on his face, you can tell him time and time again how to wear the mask while he's at bat. But you know how kids are. It goes in one ear and out the other. And if you got some kid, yeah, I know they got the face mask and everything else, but this mask that they've got to wear now, along with glasses, if you've got a kid with glasses and he sees the ball coming in and suddenly exhales and his glasses fog up, this may seem like a crazy thing, but it's the truth. It happens. What do you do about that? The kid suddenly can't see where the ball is. There are so many things that are ruining the integrity of the game that go along with this that I believe, and I'm not saying Forgive me for saying this right off the bat, because I'm not saying this is you, but these are parents that are in loud, and I've seen this throughout the years, that all they want is delusions of grandeur for their children. That's all they care about. It's for the parents. It's not for the kids. I've seen that throughout the years, and I think that's the only reason. There's really no reason to play this stuff right now. There's no Little League Baseball World Series to go to. There's no American Legion Baseball World Series to go to at the end of the year. They've all been canceled. So There's what are... absolutely a reason to start playing. Why? The reason to start playing is because we have to return to normalcy at some sometime. And if it's not getting better, which I think it is, but if it's not continuously getting better, when are we going to return? When are we going to say enough is enough? Oh, my my opinion, decide... okay, let me, let me just say this. My opinion has been August 1st. August or, or even July 15th. July 15th is when they've got to make the decision, basically, for the NFL and colleges. I mean, you're involved in the NCAA more than I am. But isn't July 15th basically the drop-dead date? Uh, Kind of, yeah. It's, it's kind of a – and it, everything's a moving target at this yeah. point. Yeah, Um, But college sports are a lot different than Little League Baseball. I, I Little, agree. Little League Baseball is nine guys on a field. The only place where you get – more than a couple people close to each other is at a base. Um, baseball is, by definition, already a game that is socially distant. It is. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think that it can come back. I agree that some of these rules are ridiculous. I do think, and I didn't read it as closely as you did, but I know at least in the Major League Baseball one, when the ball is in play, all of those social distancing things that they have in, in place go out the window when the ball is in play. Mm-hmm. That's trying to get a runner stealing at second. That's holding a runner on at first base. That's any time the ball is in play. So that's – I, I, again, I don't know the Little League one I, or the, the Little Guy one. I haven't read it as closely as I should. But if that's the case, to me it doesn't change the game as much as you think. Um, it definitely changes the game, but everything's changing right now in the entire world. And if we're going to ask – Big leaguers that come back under these stringent things where people got to sit in the stands and, you know, it's, I just don't understand, you know, what the difference is between big leaguers and little leaguers to me. And I think, again, no one's forcing anyone's kid to play. Like no one's telling you you have to. They're giving you the option that you can, but if you're going to, you have to follow these rules. And, and some of the I'm rules, sorry. again, are, are absolutely ridiculous, but you can play. And like I said before, from the outset of all of this, that's all I personally wanted was the freedom to make my own choice. 
you don't want to go out and, and eat a dinner and you're up, you're worried about getting coronavirus at the patio at your local Mexican restaurant, don't go. That's your choice. But if I'm not concerned with it, then why can't I go? If I'm not concerned with it, why can't my kid go get, go play a baseball game? I mean, I, that's just the way I, I, I believe in freedom to a point or to a fault. And I think that, you know, DeWine's giving us the opportunity to do that. The thing about parents living through their kids is absolutely the case. It's horrifying. It's awful. But that's going to happen whether or not we go back to playing baseball or not. Those dads are going to be sitting in their backyard drilling their kids' line drives anyway. I, I agree with that. And I, you and I agree totally on that. But to give them the option – see, and here, here's the final point of my argument. What's going on right now in New York and New Jersey – where the Kawasaki virus, they don't know for sure if it is implementing itself from the coronavirus on the little they've kids. They've already said, they've already come out and said it's not contagious. Well, they've said it's not contagious, but it still implements itself if you get somebody that's even asymptomatic around it. See, that's, that, you've just made my point right there, Blake. There are so many questions about this that we are not getting answers to, and you can't blame the media for that because even the doctors don't have the answers to everything that's going on because we don't, and I'm gonna be, get political here, we don't have enough testing to be able to tell what this virus is capable of doing. And, and the, but if you look at it too, if you wanna go back into it, Amy Acton came out and said that it was in Ohio as early as January. We didn't close everything down until March. What, what's, why, why did we not have massive outbreaks between January and March when they was already here? Well, so, and that, and, again, that brings up more questions. Well, yeah, it, to it, me, it brings up a ton of them. The more you question something, the more you poke holes in it. The more you look at it like, well, if it was, if it was that bad, why in January? Did everybody in America not have it when it was already here in January? Or I, I, go, I go back to the first major league, major athlete in America that had this thing, uh, Rudy Gobert. Hmm. Rudy Gobert plays for the Utah Jazz in an NBA locker room with 20 other guys that are not social distanced. They are practicing right. and sweating and coughing on each other every single day in practice. Only one of his teammates out of 20 guys got it, and they played six games – in the 14 days prior to the incubation period, and nobody he played against got it. If this thing is as awful as they say it is, and I'm not saying it's not, but if it is, why did those guys not get sick? Why was not every person that works around Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell sick? See, that's the problem. It, we don't know if they did or not because nobody, nobody actually, other than, other than the NBA, the NBA's been tested. Yeah, so they say, and I agree with you. I think they probably have been. And like I said last week, without the a doubt, with two confirmed be- cases on the Utah Jazz, every person in that organization was tested that would have had contact with Rudy Gobert. But they there were, were over. They had a reason to be. But there were over ten people, though, Blake, that were asymptomatic. In other words, they don't show the effects of it, but they're a carrier. Now, now that being said, I agree with you. I, I don't have a problem with with the pros going back, and to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with with uh, American Legion players who are 16, 17, 18 years old, traveling league teams going back. I mean, if you want to play, go play. You're spending their money. You're spending the money to play. And I know they're spending money in Little League Baseball. But you know what? To be honest with you, it's not worth the risk to me. It's it's just not worth the risk for daddy 
to be able to go out and win a trophy for his kids that everybody's going to get anyway. And yeah, I'm a little jaded agree. about little league baseball. I am. I, I'm, I, I'm tired of of the parents I that are so involved with, with it. I agree with you to an extent. I actually would go the other direction myself. I would let them play, and all of these mandates would actually be optional because to to me, people need to be able to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. It's just that we live in America. We do this. That's where that. Uh, I signed up to fight for your right to have freedom. I was, I'm a veteran. I know lots of people that died fighting for your, your right to have freedom. And we don't have that right now. And that's what pisses me off. That the fact that, you know, you don't have the right to make your own decision. Now, obviously sometimes that needs to be taken out of people's hands because they will make the wrong decision. But I think there needs to be more choices to be made for people. And here's the deal. Okay. I, we're also really smart. Like people that don't want to get it or at risk can stay home. Like that's just, I, I, I agree. With I, you. I think they should play here. Here's the mandates for coaches. I'm going to hold the most interesting one for last. Have you read these yet? No. Okay. Here's the rules for coaches. You must adhere to the six foot social distancing practices. Okay. Easy enough. You must wear face covering at all time. No spitting or eating seeds, gum or similar products. The no-touch rule, coaches should refrain from high fives, handshake lines, and other physical contact with teammates, opposing players, coaches, umpires, and fans. A tip of the cap can be used following the game in lieu of a handshake line. You must ensure that players are following COVID-19-related prevention measures included herein. Here's the one that sets up the coaches for trouble. You must conduct daily symptom assessments done by coaches and players self-evaluation anyone experiencing symptoms must stay home now the reason that that has got me in in a tizzy is i've seen this stuff happen before blake i know you haven't been in it as long as as i was as of yet but i've seen all this stuff happen before if the coach is going to be responsible for looking at a player and seeing if he's got symptoms, there's going to be three problems with that. A, it could be the star of the team, and oh my God, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that he's a, he's, he's got a symptom because I got a game with the Reds that it's coming up at the end of this week and we're going to need this kid. That's problem number one. Problem number two is if you misdiagnose a kid, then you've got that and you tell him to go home, then you've got that parent coming down your throat saying, what are you talking about? This is my kid. If I want him to play, he plays, blah, 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 blah. And thirdly, if you don't diagnose the kid and it turns out he's got it and it spreads to the rest of the team, it opens up the coaches and that league to a lawsuit. That may be way off off base there, but it does. It opens you up to a lawsuit because that's what Congress is talking about right now. I don't think it opens you up to a lawsuit at all because all of these things are known. It's what like, it's what I Congress is it's what Congress is debating right now, though, Blake, that they want to make all they, businesses shielded from a lawsuit because they to get their employees to come back to work. Well, a business and a little league team are completely different. Could be. First, the only thing they could sue as a little league team would be the team's insurance. They're not getting anything out of the coaches themselves. The coaches don't have liability for that. <laughs> That's true. That's just that they, so they could sue, you know, our team's insurance policy and, and that's fine. If they win, they win. It is what it is. I think we have to carry a million dollar insurance policy. Um, but 
I mean, that's why we pay summer coaches the big bucks. I'm obviously <laughs> joking. None of us get paid. None of us um, but if we did, it still wasn't enough. <laughs> as, as a coach myself, I would have no problem looking at a kid and saying, hey, dude, you're sick, go home. And telling the parent, if you have a problem with my decision, don't bring him back. That's fine. That's your call. But my call is the safety of the rest of these kids. That's personal opinion, and not all coaches would have that. And I'm also a believer in, I, pardon my French, don't give a shit if we win a, a, a middle of the week friggin' game against the best team in the city. I don't care. That doesn't matter. Summer baseball is not about winning games. It's about making kids better. It's about them being able to socialize a little bit, which obviously you have to do that as, at social distancing, but you can do it. The kids get to be outside in nature, like doing the thing that they love. I don't care if we lose every game by 50. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. That's not what it's about. But that's, again, that's my personal opinion. I know I'm in the minority. I know most coaches are there to try to win friggin' trophies and rings for their kids, which is a joke. They're the problem with youth sports in America right now. Bingo. But that doesn't mean kids shouldn't be allowed to play. If I can go to Kroger with 400 people, and, and you've been there, I've been there, everybody's been there, they try to social distance. But when you're walking down a friggin' aisle, there's no way to social distance. You have to walk past people. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. You have to. If we can do that with hundreds of people a day, people working in factories around other people, and blah, 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 like uh, those examples can go ad nauseum. There's no reason we can't play a little league baseball game. But these are kids, and they don't know any different. That's why they have adults looking after them. I agree with that, but that's, still in all, you know as well coaches. as you know as well as I do that kids Oh yeah, dad, yeah, dad. That, okay, mom, no problem, no problem. And next thing you know, they're out doing it. Yeah, and and on my team personally, it would if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're not going to play. Yeah. If you're not doing if you're not abiding by the rules that are mandated by the state and by my team, you will not play. It's no different than the rule that says when we're out on a travel tournament and we're in a hotel when it's 11:30 bed checks. If you're not in bed tomorrow morning, you're not playing. Period. It's just the way it is. Yeah. There, the rules are the rules. If you, that's one of the, another one of the biggest problems in our country is people don't force kids to follow rules. If you force them to follow rules every day, then it's it's by the time they're adults, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I, we see it every day at the college level. These kids come in with no respect, no responsibility, and wonder why they're not the star of the team because they don't work, because they don't pay attention, because they, they haven't do what had they're to. supposed to do. Because they exactly. have. no one forced that. Exactly. And, and you know, around us, you're forced to. My team, you have to. They are the star um, of the I, team in high school. They've been the star of the team ever since little league, <laughs> peewee leagues. Uh, you know, the little kids basketball, the youth leagues, everything. They've been the star. Mm-hmm. They've never been forced to do anything. They've never been cut from the JV team like Michael Jordan was. Right. You know, and then look what, look it, what Michael Jordan became. <laughs> Agreed. And it's, 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 you know, that is the problem with what's going on in our country. And, and it, it spills over to every aspect of what's going on. Entitled little turds that grow up to be entitled ass adults. And it's the worst thing that can, that can, well, somebody owes me, nobody owes you nothing. Right. Go out and get what you're owed. Absolutely. I ran into that problem Friday night. I went out to eat at a local Mexican restaurant and these 22 year old kids 
We're sitting there trying to get blackout drunk at a friggin' Mexican restaurant around families and stuff. And it almost came to a point where it got into a physical altercation because I put them in their place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and my wife was yelling at me because she couldn't bail me out until Monday. (laughs) But I I don't care. You will be held if if I'm around. I have to hold you to a higher standard. Absolutely. It is. Well, that being said, now there is a new vote going on. Last last week we talked about the all-time Reds and Indians teams. This week there's a new vote going on, Blake. Who is the best team in the history of your franchise? What year? And let's start with the Reds because I think that's a pretty good argument. I mean, the teams that are up for it are the 1921 team, I believe, obviously 1970, 1975, 1976, 1981, and then you've got 1990, the team that won the championship, and it was 2013, the team that got blitzed in the playoffs that year in the first round of the playoffs. In your opinion, I mean, what what teams does it come down to as far as the all-time best Reds team? Well, it's really easy to just say it's 75 versus 76, but that's the best. Those are the same teams, basically. Yeah. Um, There were, you know, minor changes between teams, but – I don't remember 19, what did you say, 19 or 21 or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, I, who, who, who has any idea what was going on on that team? Nobody. Um, I, for my personal, it, it would come out of the big red machine and then the wire to wire 90 reds. Uh, and even then, I think the, I, I was seven years old and wire to wire 90 reds. It's one of my favorite teams of all time, but. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the Big Red Machine is the best team in the history of baseball, period. The only argument that can be made is the Murderers Row Yankees, and they were playing a different friggin' game. There was, there was a completely different game going on in the 20s and 30s in baseball. Uh, there was no black guys. There was no Latin guys. There was like The list can go on. They're, they were playing day a game. different sport. Yeah, they were playing nothing but day games. There was no night games. There was no TV. There was no West Coast travel. Like 12 of the teams were in New York City. Like you just walked to the next stadium to play. The the 75-76 Big Red Machine is the best team in the history of baseball. You There is no – you can't knock me off of that. Seven Hall of Famers. <laughs> like the, the, the only the – two positions that you can – Catcher, the greatest catcher of all time, you ask anybody who knows anything about baseball, is Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench. Greatest second baseman of all time, you ask anybody who knows anything about baseball, it's Joe Morgan. Best, best hit, the hit king. I mean, friggin', the, the, what was it, 75 or 76, they had the NL MVP, they won the World Series, they had the, uh, rookie of the year, they had like six silver sluggers, seven all-stars. You know what was funny? You know what was funny about that team? And I didn't realize it until the other night when, when Fox was showing, re-showing the 1976 World Series against the Yankees, the, the one where the Reds swept four games and, and, uh, Johnny Bench was the MVP. Bench hit seventh in that lineup. He hit seventh <laughs> in the that best lineup. In his position in the history of the game, he was the MVP twice. <laughs> and he hit seventh in that World Series. He hit seventh in that World Series. He spent all of his career being a cleanup hitter, and for that team in that World Series, he batted seventh because of the DH. They put Danny Dreesen batting sixth. It, it was it was ludicrous how how good that team was. Is it as good as? Is it the best team in the history of baseball? It's debatable. 
I mean, they're definitely up there in the top three at the very least. Um, the only thing that knocks them down probably is their pitching because they were so, so offensively adept that that's the only thing that would have knocked them down is their pitching. And that's the only reason I think that 1990 team that the Reds had with the, the trio of re- relievers that they had at the end of the bullpen led by Rob Dibble. Um, and, and Franco at the end of that bullpen. My God, Blake, I mean, if you go up against the 75-76 team in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning with those three pitching for the 1990 Reds, that's, that's, that's going to be quite a battle. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that, that 90 team was special because if it got to the 6th inning and you were leading, the game was over. Yeah. It was, it was Dibble, Charlton, and why do I always forget the other guys? I name? thought it was Franco. Jack Billingham? No, it wasn't Billingham. Wasn't Billingham. Uh, Let me look it up. I'm looking it up, it up now because it's going to bother me. I thought it was Franco, um, but maybe I'm wrong. It wasn't Franco. It was um, Norm Tarleton, Rob Dibble, and Randy Myers. Randy Myers, um, that's it, yeah. And it was over. So I, I would, you know, agree to an extent. That their pitching was better, and they had Jose Rijo, a legitimate power arm, and yeah. the team they beat in the World Series was really good. The Oakland A's Tom. and Pittsburgh Pirates were really good in the the uh, yeah. Independent. Tom and Browning. Just, Tom Browning was really good. Who owns a bar now in Kentucky? Did you know that? Yep. <laughs> you look back at that, and I know wins are not an easy way to decide this, but if you look back at the '76 team, they had six guys win double digit games. They had a team ERA of three three seven, so I mean they weren't a bad pitching staff. They just didn't have the names, right? They didn't. They didn't have the. I mean, the probably the most notable guy on that team was Don Gullett, and the reason he's probably most notable in Cincinnati is because he was the pitching coach for so long. Um, and after that seventy six season, where did Don Gullett go? I don't know. The Yankees. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, he left as a free agent and signed with the Yankees, and he was never as good. He was one of those guys that I talked about last week, Blake, that they're just not New York guys. You know, a little a little sideswipe on that Tom Browning thing. When I was out in Wyoming, Tom Browning came from a little school called Casper Natrona High School. Yep. And believe it or not, Natrona has two major league baseball players that came from the state of Wyoming to play in major leagues. Tom Browning was one, and the other one was Mike Lansing, who was a second baseman for the Montreal Expos before they went to Washington. Wow. And they were and they were a good, good high school baseball team. I mean, they really the were. The other thing that people don't like that I will give the 75-76 Reds a big upgrade over the 90 Reds is management. Uh, I think Lou Pinello was a really good manager. I think Sparky was great. I mean, he was the original Captain Hook, right? Mm-hmm. They, he was had no problem coming out in the fourth inning and taking a pitcher out if he sucked. He had, a, I mean, Pedro Borbon threw 125 innings in relief that year. 125 relief innings. That don't happen. No, not <laughs> anymore. anymore. Yeah, I it remember. Just doesn't after after Sparky. This is a story that my my dad told me. After Sparky quit, or got fired, I should say, as manager of the Reds, about a year later, you know, he took a, took about a year and a half hiatus. 
And a year later, he was on a sports talk show with Pete Franklin out of Cleveland, who went on to go to New York and work at WFAN for a long time. But anyway, Pete was interviewing Sparky Anderson, and to, to sum up the interview, he says, well, maybe, Sparky, we'll see you in Cleveland someday. Sparky kind of giggled and said, no, I don't think so. And he ended up, I think it was like two weeks later, in Detroit, taking on the Tigers, who were just about ready to make the plunge as one of the best teams in baseball. Sparky knew where to manage. That's when he went and won another World Series. He did. Yeah, unbelievable. As far as the Indians are concerned, boy, I'll tell you, you've got 1948 that's up on the list. You've got 1954, which up until the Seattle Mariners took over, uh, had won the most games ever in a regular season in the history of baseball, which was 100 and th- 105. Um, and then you've got the 1995 team. You've got the 97 team, which actually made the World Series but didn't win a whole lot of games in the uh, regular season. Matter of fact, they were the lowest winning team as far as a divisional winner was that season. Then you got the 2016 team and the 2007 team. But I'll tell you what, I've never seen a team that was as good as that 95 team that won 100 out of 144 games. And the reason they only played 144 was because of the strike, strike induced season. Um, and that's all they played. But that team. Yeah, that was a special team. That, re- that really was. And you know what? You know what gets me, Blake, is that them losing the World Series to Atlanta that year didn't bother me as much as losing it in 97 to the Marlins. Yeah, obviously losing to the Braves with that pitching staff, it didn't matter who they were playing that year with Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox, they were winning. Yeah. It's just the way it was. Yeah. But that friggin' lineup, man. I mean, you had the catching duo, duo Tony Pena and Sandy Alomar Jr., uh, Paul, I mean, it was Jim Tomey still played third base back then. Yeah, Paul like, Serena was the first baseman. Yeah, I love Carlos Baerga. Yep. Omar Vizquel, maybe the best defensive shortstop to ever play the game. Yep. And that year he hit 266 with a 333 on base percentage. Yeah. Um, stole 30 bags, hit a couple of home runs. Like, he was a great player. Tomey played third. And one of the best outfield trios ever. Albert yep. Bell, Kenny Loft, and Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez, to me, is the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen, except for maybe Albert Pujols. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, Albert Bell and, and Manny Ramirez, the big monster power bats in the corners, and Kenny Lofton flying around in center field, making all the plays, stealing 50 bags. One of the best leadoff hitters I've ever seen. Just, do I you, mean, what a team. I loved that team. Do you remember? Do you remember who the DH was that year? Uh, Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray. Yep. Eddie, Eddie Murray. You know. Well, okay, back to your gut feeling. You really think we'll see baseball this, this, uh, summer? I do. I don't want to think that, like, I'm so bad about not thinking negatively. If I think negatively, I will get really upset and depressed and get, get to a point where it's just not good. I mean, you know, NASCAR came back yesterday. Golf came back a little bit yesterday. We're starting to see things come back. For personal sanity, I can't let myself <laughs> believe that it's not going to happen. Um, but even that being said, I really do think it's going to find a way to happen in some way. 
I think that, like I said before, there are too many guys at the lower level of income in baseball that need that money to survive, that are going to be in the spot of losing houses and shit when, you know, the the Bryce Harpers of the world could not play for the next 20 years and they're just going to be fine. So, I mean, I think that those guys that, while they don't have the name recognition in the press behind closed doors, they're going to get it done. Um, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know any, I don't have any desire to predict what we're going to play, how we're going to play. Um, But I think we are going to play. I think we're going to play too, but I almost wish they just shut it down and let's just wait till football, but we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll have a whole different story next, next Monday night. That's the other, one of the other thing that bothers me though, really quick before we shut it down is if we don't have baseball, I would not count that we're going to play football. Um, if they don't find a way to get baseball underway in a safe way with the, like I said earlier, the preordained, already set in stone social distancing that's evolved in that game, I don't think we'll play football. Well. I do not think we'll play football if we don't play baseball. Please don't tell me that. <laughs> that's just the way I feel. <laughs> Just the way I feel. All Professional right. baseball can't find a way to come back. I don't think NCAA football is. Well, we will talk about that more next week. Not about football, but we'll see. Maybe not. We'll have a, a different story next Monday night, okay? Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, Blake. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks for joining us here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. I'm Dave Mitchell for Blake Watson. Join us again next Monday night at 7 o'clock with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Until then... Have a good week, everybody.